0: what's going on family it's your man gerard bonner of bonnerfied radio and this is on course with hart ramsey and we call these sessions heart to heart it's your opportunity to hear from the heart of god by way of the man of god And of course we're talking to pastor hart ramsey pastor Hart, how are you sir
1: doing well gerard how you doing
0: I am well, and yes, we have lots of ground to cover. You know, I almost <laughs> wish things would kind of slow down in the world, <laughs> so we could kind of, you know, address things as they happen, but let's start here, and we'll just see where we go. We have not had an opportunity to give our official uh, conversation about the passing of two American icons in two different worlds, yet they had a profound impact on our country. We're speaking of the Queen of Soul, a Franklin And war hero and former presidential candidate John McCain, both of whom have passed in the last couple of weeks. And their uh, homegoing services, memorials, celebrations were literally within one day of each other last week. And it had all the country talking. So... Uh, where do we want to start first? I guess we can start first We'll go backwards We'll start with John McCain first And get your thoughts on John McCain His contributions and his memorial service
1: Well, you know, uh, first of all the, the great thing about John McCain's service, <laughs> memorial service Was um, I, I love the passion Just uh, Well, let me start with him as a man, first of all I, I, always, I always honored him for um, respecting, of course, the rule of law and, and being a uh, nonpartisan so to speak yeah and he always um he always looked out for the American people right and 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 I really appreciated that about him his his funeral was great in that um i made a joke on social media where um the speakers president george w bush um joe biden his daughter was was just moving i mean her emotional yes. speech was just i think she said some words. That when we look back, they will go down as historic words concerning what, what a father represented and how America is today. Um, but I joked on social media saying that um, we have the rare privilege of hearing full, complete, and comprehensive or comprehensible sentences. We, right. We haven't heard, <laughs> we haven't heard that in that. No r- a while. <laughs> right. It's been a minute. <laughs> and so um, I thought it, I thought it was. Um, his funeral had a lot of dignity, a lot of, of, of course, the pomp and circumstance that you would uh, lend to such a, a a caliber of person and uh, a national hero. So, yeah, I was, I, was, I send off as a blessing. I, I was, it was great for me to see it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I certainly have great respect for John McCain. A, I actually have a John McCain story, believe it or not. Um, so 2008, when I was in Virginia, Virginia was a battleground state for the presidency. And as we were, I guess, about two to three weeks out from the election, we literally had three or four different rallies um, that involved Joe Biden, or excuse me, now Vice President Joe Biden, um, President Barack Obama, and Senator John McCain. So I went to one with Biden, I went to one with Obama, and I said to myself, just because I want to go to this John McCain rally, which I knew would be interesting because I knew I'd be one of maybe a handful of people of color that were there, and I was, and I got there super early so I could be like on the front row and uh, took pictures, you know, listened to the rally And I think the thing that impacted me the most was At the end, he came by shaking hands And he looked at me and I guess he could tell I was kind of the one that stood out from the bunch <laughs> And and he said, I really appreciate you coming Thank you so much And it, it felt genuine It might have been right. a political thing But it felt very genuine Because I think he knew Okay, this guy should probably be supporting Obama right. So if he's here there's something to it so right. I always gathered great respect from him um, and for him for a moment like that and for his consistency uh, throughout his time and tenure in serving the country what did you think about his uh, dare I say last will and testament where he asked for a certain presidents to be present and a certain president to be president to be absent
1: well you know what uh, I don't blame him um, yeah. Uh, history will, will will record that um, we are experiencing the worst that America has to offer in terms of leadership, and, yes. and I'm to the place now where you know I've always been vocal about my feelings about the sitting president, but now more than ever, uh, I used to try to bite my tongue to some degree because of the people that I respect that support him. But I have listen. I, I don't care about that. It you know let him be that, that's, that's ignorant. Be ignorant still. Um, mm-hmm. He is the worst. Of the worst presidents, and um, I could put it in perspective for you. Um, that John McCain Asked for for George W. Bush to eulogize him is not a surprise to me because of of they share the same party, same ideology. But for him to ask for Barack Obama, a, pre- yes. a man that he ran against, um, it's to me it's so, it showed a level of of love for his country and um humility that, that we don't right. see a lot, right. You know, I just thought that was so big of him. But, um, you know, I'll put him in perspective. I, I didn't like I did not like George W. Bush as a president. OK, I thought I used to say all the time, man, he's just not a smart guy. But to hear George, George W. Bush read through his speech at the eulogy and to see the way he carried himself, to see his decorum. Man, on a scale of one to ten, because he's like a seven, and and this sitting president is like a one, right? And and he's only a one because we have to register him. He's really a zero, but you have to give him some kind of number. I mean, and I'm not just I'm not just throwing off on him. I mean, this is a reality. Um, I'm not talking about policy. I'm not talking about a party. I'm talking about person. He is just not a good person. And so, for John McCain to ask for him not to speak at his at his funeral, to me, is a big deal because he would have made it about himself. Sure.
0: In in fact, um, in the uh, the ceremony that they did um, before the funeral, Vice President Pence was there. And I was just (laughs) I couldn't believe the one statement that they said something to the effect of it was a very dry. We respect what John McCain has done. And I'm just kind of like, wait.
1: Yeah. That is your statement? No, no. He, he it was it was obvious shade intended to, yeah. and I and I thought that um he disrespected the family, and mm-hmm. but the way John's daughter looked at him though was one for yes. the ages. I was glad that she didn't hide her emotion. I'm glad that she that she did not try to play nice. Um, sometimes I think when people are over the top and out of bounds playing nice just encourages them. And and I wow. and I I love her fire, and I pray she runs for office one day.
0: You know that would be a fitting tribute to her father, and I could see that happening.
1: Yeah, she, I I pray she does. You know, um, th- th- I think I think in um, politics we forget that people are people. Right. I, th- I think that that um, like you, you you talk about your John McCain story, and you said you sense a, sense the genuineness, and I think because your presence in that group um, spoke to him personally, personally, because I think um, you know to us it's just polls, poll numbers. Right, you're po- either polling well or you're not, and to see someone there that you're not polling well in their our uh, demographic, it speaks to the fact that a, a human being would acknowledge that and say, you know what, man, I really appreciate that because I know right. for you it's a sacrifice, but a person that's just about the um the number, about the vote, about about the power, it wouldn't have made a difference. I, again, I think John McCain, um, the death of John McCain, is a major loss. In the, American, in, in the United States Senate and in America.
0: I would totally agree. I would totally, totally agree. Uh, yeah, okay, I was going to go one way, but let me go this other way because you mentioned something, and then we'll come back to Aretha Franklin. Um, also happening, since you mentioned, mentioned Trump very briefly, I have to do this follow-up because... Uh, a few weeks back, we had a conversation shortly after uh, a group of African-American pastors went to go visit Donald Trump, and that whole conversation was about uh, supposed to be about prison reform. Right. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was early maybe last week or the week before, uh, the news came out that he actually met with a group of evangelical pastors mm-hmm. uh, behind closed doors, and this was all kind of following the, the notion that this President or this reform bill, this prison reform bill was never going to pass. Like he nixed it totally and uh, it was a done deal. But in this meeting with the evangelical pastors, he tells them uh, in no uncertain terms that this uh, midterm election is pivotal, it's crucial. And if if we don't win, they're going to take everything away that we've accomplished. And he even went so far as to say, there will be violence. Yeah. What do we make of that meeting? Because there were there was a lot that was said, and I just kind of scratched my head to try to figure out what's happening here with these pastors. I'll, and maybe I'll get into another lie that he told, uh, that he's been telling and swearing by, but what do we make of this? The, a tale of two cities with two different groups of pastors, two completely different messages.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I, I'll say this: the, the the evangelical pastors that he met with the, um, the black pastors were, of course, for photo op. They didn't know that, but he did all along. There was never mm-hmm. another agenda about it. Um, um, he want he wanted to to sell a lie. You know, he he's all about props and falsehoods and smokes and mirror, smoking mirrors. So he was trying to sell a. This illusion because I don't know if you heard his talking point after that was that um his support among the African American community is increasing, so he used that yeah. optic to try to sell the lie but mm-hmm. but his real concern or his real constituency were the white evangelical pastors um and the, the meeting behind closed doors of course Lord knows what they talked about but those statements that you just quoted that he made let me tell you something um this guy. If it if it were not for the structure of our government, he is he is Hitler incarnate. When I tell you, um, you go back and read that Nazi playbook. He's re- he's actually it seems like he's reading it. I mean, he's working by this playbook, and um, you know, the uh, people still believe him. I mean, you know, some of the pastors that went, they still believe him. They they still believe that somehow he's going some he's gonna pass this bill. So you know, the people say, "Well, he said it's delayed, not denied." Well, you know the the thing is, that's cute when it when it's a little, uh, spiritual uh, <laughs> or it's a little All spiritual or right. uh, little anecdote. But the bottom line is this: is that he he's playing a political game, and this thing about the violence thing, you know, what he's doing, he's subliminally dropping hints, dog whistling so much, to, I mean, so to speak, to his constituency, and he and he's so selfish. And this is my own opinion. I don't think that he minds a civil war. No. I think his pride his his own personal narcissism is so out of control that he would have Americans fighting in the streets killing each other bloodshed. Um he he, he doesn't mind that. Um mm. and he, and the crazy part is he's dealing with a lot of what he's saying is coming from out of the pages of these on neo-Nazis and um a, a lot of his talking points and rhetoric it's real. Yeah. And these pastors are playing a dangerous game because they're saying, well, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. And, and then they use all kinds of biblical um, um, twistings to say that God has done it like this in the past. Let me tell you something. The day that God sends a liar, a, a habitual pathic, pathological liar to enforce truth is the day I stop believing in God. Mm. I'm, that's a, I'm telling you, that's my. It's a strong statement. The yeah. day that God sends a liar, a habitual, committed liar, to be the guardian of truth, is the day I can't trust him. Yeah, yeah. God yeah. doesn't play those games, and, and and for these pastors to be playing, listen. And the whole thing with them is about, you know, what they've done, is if they've they've taken money and power and status, and made them idols. Sure. But I, I saw something that Beth Moore uh, tweeted this morning that I thought was very powerful. She said, she's coming from Isaiah 46, and she said the danger, well, let me let me back up and give this context. In Isaiah 46, God begins to talk about and basically mock idols. He's like, uh, man, listen, you have, you have to cut down a tree. You have to shape this thing. You have to take it to wherever you want to go. Um, if, it gets knocked down, if, if it gets knocked down, you have to bow down to pick it up. It's, it's like you and your idol are the same, you and your gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so Beth Moore used it as this analogy of when you first pick up an idol it's like a trophy and you hold it up in the air like a trophy she said but the longer you carry your idol the more the, the idol becomes a burden to you cuz now you have to hold it up and you have to tote it and you have to pack it yeah. and i think that's what's happening with the evangelical pastors now and and their and their love for money and their love for fame and power It's actually turning into this thing that's, that's a burden. Stay
0: tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest
1: Through Prayer.
0: It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Pick up the new release from stellar award nominees, Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled, True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So... Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. And, and, And I can see that. I can see that that would definitely because it's a lot to carry. And somewhere in there, I don't know, but... I don't know what's happened to conscience and discernment and senses of right and wrong, because, you know, obviously a love of money is the love of money is the root of all evil. And I can see how that is weaving its way throughout, you know, what's happening with these evangelicals and certainly as we head our way to the uh, election coming in November. So. Um so we talked McCain, let's kind of talk the other American treasure, treasure. <laughs> that has left <laughs> us. Uh that being the 18-time Grammy award-winning Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul. Let's talk a bit about her impact. Uh and then we'll talk a little bit later about her service. But what what were your what were your thoughts on the impact of her incredible career?
1: Well, well Gerard you know first of all, I don't think people in this generation realized the magnitude of the impact i agree see, um when you go back to when aretha first brought this style onto the uh, the public stage i don't think people realize that the only thing the only person that had done anything close to that type of singing on on a major platform was mahalia jackson right and mahalia's style was not even close to what we see of what we saw in Aretha Franklin. And so her sound, like um, when you hear her sound, you say, well, a lot of people sing like that, but they didn't before she came along. That's right. When they call her the Queen of Soul, I don't know um, all of the background about that title, but I do know this. Um, You go back to her old, early records and you'll find no one was singing like that, the the style. Stevie Wonder Mm -hmm. said that the song that she sung, uh, that she she made one of his songs famous until you come back to me he said he wrote it when he was 15 years old and he never imagined anyone could pull it off like that wow she just what she did she brought church to the platform and people that worked with her said that um she was never ashamed to bring the churchy element to what she did is what church was in her bones and she was one of the few artists that to me um along the lines like like people like fantasia now and many before her um, brought that church thing, James Brown, they they brought it to the forefront. Well, I think Aretha was the beginning of that. I would agree with that.
0: I would definitely agree with that. And you made a point about um, Stevie Wonder's song. She also, and and I've heard, I, I can't remember who I heard say this, but they said that Aretha could take someone else's song and sing it in a way that the songwriter didn't even realize it could be sung. Right. And, and you know, one of her most, pop, matter of fact, one of her trademark songs that I don't know that a lot of people realized, probably until her passing, was a song that she didn't write, was Respect. Right. You know, uh, Otis Redding, which I learned that and I went, what? O- Otis wrote that song? this Redding wrote that. Song. I didn't
1: know that, but you know she did yeah. another song to "Um, Um Natural Woman." Was what's the name? Um, what's the songwriter's name for "Natural Woman"? Let me find that out because
0: you're right. I mean, it's th- this, and this is the amazing part about Aretha Franklin is her ability. That was a Carol King song.
1: A Carol King song, right? She mm-hmm. she she'd take the song and make it hers. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible to see what she's done and I think I'm also moved because as she passed of course you know people started listening to her music all over again and at one point she had like literally 19 of the top 20 R&B spots on the iTunes charts right after she passed I mean it was some crazy number like that but I decided to go back and listen to her gospel her first gospel album Amazing Grace right. which uh released in 1972 and it's funny because I would see uh, you know, that album cover floating around uh, just as almost an iconic album cover, but I never listened to it until she passed. And when I did, I was like, this record is incredible. Yeah, like, it, it's I mean, to think it's in the 70s and you still feel the authenticity of that night, of that moment. Uh, and as you said, she was really the first to be church and be unapolog- un- unapologetically church, and still be soul, and right? Still be R and B, and you know, be able to do all of those things. Which is why I'm sure it was very difficult to try to uh, pay homage to her in what many of us would consider to be a normal two, maybe lengthy three hour service. Uh, her <laughs> service went, and it's funny; it was scheduled for six and a half hours, and it went.
1: Eight and a half hours. Well, first of all, the first schedule was too long to. <laughs> it was. <laughs> that was long, man. It was, we, there's so much to talk to unpack about that whole thing. <laughs> well,
0: let's let's begin doing that because, yeah, I've never seen a service like it in all my days. So, grab a part and let's just start dissecting this.
1: Well, well, let's let's first start about the lineup. Um, when I first saw the program, um, one of our family members happened to be a friend. Oh, actually, a, a Twitter friend and, and um, one of her nieces sent me the program days in advance. Okay. And I thought that the program was actually to be carried out over a series of days. I didn't know that that was one program for one day. Right. So wow. when they first, you know, so... And and there's a couple things. There's some lessons to be learned, though. There's some good lessons to be learned. And so yes. I don't know what specific questions you have for me in this, but I could, if you let me fire away right now, just start. Go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay, so let's talk about officiating of a, a homegrown search. Uh,
0: ah, yeah. This is for
1: all of the, the aspiring young pastors yes, who Lord. who want to who want to be good at what you do. A part of officiating a homegrown service is to do your best to stay out of the way. Right. To, to me, you, you're only necessary at the beginning. If you're only officiating, you're necessary mm-hmm. at the beginning and if something happens to go wrong. Right. It's, um, other than that, you, you should both be invisible. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think, and I'm not trying to criticize a man of God because... There's so much I have to say about him personally, but I just felt like like he inserted himself too much and it, and eventually something was bound to go wrong. And, and that something came early on. Mm-hmm. To me, when Ariana Grande um, sung her song, after she sung the song, seeing to me that she was underdressed for the occasion, they Correct. should have just let her go. Right. But I think he sees the moment and some people say he's calling him a prayer. You know, I disagree with a lot of this. I'm not going. I disagree. I think. I think number one, um, it was ill advised. His, his entire interaction with him was, was ill advised. To me, yes. it, it prolonged the time. It set a bad mm-hmm. precedent for the rest of the service. Team mm-hmm. number three. Um, You don't know her, so you shouldn't be hugging her like that. She's not a member of your church. That's right. You know, I I felt like he made so many bad. And then the state, what grabbed me at first was not the fact that he accosted her the way he did. What grabbed me initially was what he said. And I said to him, I turned to my my wife and said, this is going to come back to bite him because that was inappropriate. It was uncalled for. It was just unnecessary. Right. You know, and I think sometimes as pastors, we try to, we try to become, um, because it's in our church and because, for whatever reason, we just try to always insert ourselves in the situation. And he, he, he didn't have to do that. Right. He didn't have to do that. That's right. the f- first thing. Another thing, mm-hmm. too, is that, the, you know, when you look at camera work and it, when Ariana got to, to sing, I think it's unfair for, for people to, to look at um, um, Jesse Jackson, Bill Clinton, and, and um, what's his name? Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton, and say they were looking at her derriere. They were sitting behind her. And yeah, the only, way to, I'm saying, I mean, the the the, the pictures seem to indicate that they were lusting, but I don't think that was the case. I think that they, they, there was a couple things that were in their mind. The first thing was how underdressed she was. She was showing a leg. I know that that was like, okay, that's different. The the second thing is the, the um is that she was singing the song with a soulful voice, and she's she's obviously a white girl. And and I think them in in, in I mean, they were enjoying it from behind, and and they're thinking, well, they were looking at her behind. I'm gonna say something that's very controversial. So you're get ready mm-hmm. for this. Go this, for it. So this lady wrote. She says, "Um, it see, seemed to me like they, inv- they, they like they were just in view, in, um holding them, holding themselves back from enjoying the view." And my response was, "You know, back there, there wasn't much of a view." <laughs> I'm, 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 what I'm saying is the point I was trying to make Gerard is that it ain't like she was walking around with some big butt. Y'all excuse that expression, <laughs> but but she's pretty flat on the back. And so, I mean, <laughs> if she was a sister with a, with, you know, what I'm saying with. with Yes, but but that's not the case. And to me, people can be so mean. And some some hater is going to listen to this and say, "Well, I I disagree." And you know, I'm just sharing my opinion. Not uh, again mm-hmm. with Bishop Ellis' situation. I felt like it was unfortunate. I felt like it was a terrible um, decision to make to even address her in any way. I just I just felt like um, like that 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 moment was ruined. And, and it put her, and it thrust her into a spotlight that she didn't want to be in. And then sure. some foolish minister made a statement talking about she came there dressing like she wanted attention. I guess she got it. That's, just, that's dumb. Oh, wow. Yeah, some idiot pastor oh, made that statement. I think that's stupid. And I think we should be, all of us should be collectively embarrassed that the world thinks that we're, we're pedophiles and predators and whoremongers mm-hmm. and the whole nine. We should yeah. be embarrassed.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a pretty embarrassing moment. Uh, You know, I guess the way my mind works, I think back to, you know, there aren't ever very many opportunities for funerals in churches with our type of expression to be broadcast live across the world. Right. So my thought is, okay, we have to be very, very wise about what we do and how we present ourselves. And I just felt like there were elements – in terms of the music that were amazing that it was like wow this is what we do it's so good that the world gets to see this and then there were other elements that were like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i hate that the world gets to see this you know i saw one tweet that said you know today i saw everything that i loved about black church and everything i I hated about black church well uh, you know, and it was it was a tough, tough moment. So, all right, uh, let's because there's more that we could say about the officiating. But let's let's get into the eulogy, which was the other piece that had a lot of people talking. Uh, I know you've done, unfortunately, your fair share of eulogies over the years. What what do you think about
1: this one? A couple of things. Um, the first thing is um I have to say this and it, it I just have to say this. Um they made him sit too long. I, yeah, listen, well, he sat
0: like in the back most of that time?
1: But 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 you were but there. Still, you were yeah. there. For, he, this guy's in his 70s and he sat right. there for 7 hours. For 7 and, hours, yeah. That's a lot. Um yeah. um I just felt like that like that was too long. They should have put the eulogy somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and give people the opportunity to leave or to stay for certain celebrities. But to put him on the back end, and then there was a poor introduction to, I thought of him, I think as as a, um, he's well known, and I I thought I should have introduced him better. That being said, and all that notwithstanding, I think that UG was horrible. I'm going to tell you why. Mm -hmm. As a pastor, it's the one, it's the most difficult service to preach. Yes. Which means, and and there's so many delicacies and so many opportunities to offend and to miss the mark. And to, and the deck is already stacked against you, so you don't you shouldn't do anything to add to that. And what he did to me, anything that he could have done wrong, he did. Number one, he chose the wrong approach. You do not right. come to uh, 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 any funeral, any any homegrown service, and um, not point the people to this Savior, to the God of all comfort. You right. do not politicize. A funeral. I don't care mm-hmm. what it is. If you not let that let other people do that, but as the pastor that's responsible for the eulogy, the the word eulogale you means well, logale means to speak. That's where we get the mm-hmm. word eulogy from. To speak mm-hmm. well of the dead. Yeah. To encourage um the of homegrown service is about is about the living, not about the dead. So you speak well of the you speak well of the dead while encouraging their living friends and relatives. He missed the mark on all accounts. And then he he had four major points as 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 a, a um, as public speaker. I, I'm I'm pretty much familiar with the art of homiletics, which is the way I present what I study, um, what I get from scriptures. And what he did wrong to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just break it down. He had four major points, and in all of those four major points, and and let me say this: he he had four major points before I stopped watching. <laughs> oh wow! I yeah, couldn't take yeah. it; it was horrible. Um, yeah, and um, I think um. In the four major points, um, he chose to approach every point from shock value. Right. Um, does black lives matter? No. Mm. And then he goes to explain it. Well, when you say no, you lost more than half your audience when you did that. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? And what he was trying to do, he said a lot of things. A woman can't raise... You know, he, he, the statements that he made, he, he had valid arguments in them. So when we get past the fact that he should not have been talking about those topics in the first place, when we get past those points, let's talk about how he did address the points he talked about. His approach was wrong. He was combative. He was argumentative. He, he was dismissive. He was, he was condescending. I mean, every, every adjective that we are taught to avoid in, a, in an average preaching situation, he brought to this um, eulogy table, and it was a bad move. I don't know if you saw today that the family actually says they were offended
0: by his eulogy. I saw that, I saw that And I also saw that they said That they didn't request him But uh, he was picked Because he had done so many eulogies Of members of their family So not just uh, her father But several others And that's why he was chosen But he was not like on the list of Let's pick who we want He wasn't the initial choice So that's interesting too
1: Um, Yeah, and you know I think um well, I'm, I'm going to say it like this. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. He just did an interview at his church, and um, I have a source, this unnamed source, that that mm-hmm. is a part of the media pool that went there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was privy to some um, comments that he made that, that were off the record, so to speak. It's, and, and, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, he, one thing he did say, and I don't know that he said this in public, but he said Aretha chose him. It was Hmm. a part. It was a part of her last request. She chose him to do the eulogy. Okay. Um, And um, another thing too. Let me ask you a question. Did you know he's a Trump supporter? Stop playing. I am not playing with you. I am not. Listen. Well, then that puts everything everything into perspective. perspective. Of course it does. Of course. a Matter of fact, you know he. Uh, he actually called the media that came to his church to interview him fake news. That's how he greeted them. Fake news. What? Yes, sir. But that's not public because, you know, it's 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 not public, and it's wow. not public because um, again, I I, I have a friend that's a, was a part of the pool that mm-hmm. felt like, he's, he's like check this out, you know, yeah, and I actually saw footage that I no doubt they 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 won't show, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, so it puts things in perspective, and I think you know he's one of the guys. Um, I, I mentioned this on Sunday, and I want to take this opportunity to say this. I used to work for a church. Um I was the only black leader I was I was the only minority leader on staff and um it was a church that that believed in not they didn't verbalize it but the the whole entire um protocol was based on supremacy mentality they listened to Rush Limbaugh and they were they they were listening to 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 uh, alt right talk radio before it was a thing wow and they didn't care that I was in the car so that, that's, the, but what they would do is they would always tell me, you're not like the others, you're not like the, like the others. And so, what happens to people like that when, when, you, when you're a Trump supporter, but you have a voice in the black community, is that, is that they give you the, the, the impression, they the, the get you to buy into the deception that they are, they are supreme, but you are superior. Mm. here's how it works we're supreme over your race but you're superior to others in your race because you're with us and wow. i think i think he came in um with us with a superiority complex based on su- a supremacy ideology that has been fed to him by his association with the powers that be that's 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 the only way i can say it and i'm not speculating and i'm not guessing i'm telling you what i saw i didn't hear this i saw video of of this guy saying these things Behind so so that's important, and, and that should be an interesting caveat for this uh, podcast.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. That uh, you,
1: yeah, your mind is kind of blown, isn't it? <laughs> it
0: it is, but it also explains a few things because you know we remember again going back to the infamous or the latest of those meetings that there were members of the uh, Atlanta. Uh, Community of of Faith based pastors and the like And of course the eulogist was From Atlanta and so You know I just look at The optics of some of the people in that room that, you know, obviously didn't try to put up a fight or anything and made statements like, you know, wow, uh, what you've done for the economy amongst black people has been absolutely amazing. And I'm going, what? You live here in Atlanta. What are you talking about? Right. You know, so that puts a lot into perspective. And it almost makes me feel like. Uh you just don't know who's who in the zoo anymore. Right. You right. know, you would figure in a scenario like that that everybody who came up to the podium was pretty much on the same page, uh even regardless of color. Right. And yet to hear that he was so infiltrated um oh yeah it wow yeah it
1: makes sense because and you have to understand i didn't know this during the eulogy i found this out basically yesterday and so right what what i think you know when when you look at that and i want to go back to something you said gerard that i think is powerful the world doesn't get a chance to see the 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 emotion and and deep Mm -hmm. spirituality of a black church i mean the way we worship um it, it it evolved into what it is, but it came out of a desperate need for the, for the invisible God to show up in very visible and tangible ways. Absolutely. And so we, we don't we don't we don't worship a God that can't feel us and a God we can't feel. That's that's the black notion. But what happens it seems like every time we we on display, it's one of our celebrities who have touched the quote unquote on um, white world as well. Um. They come to church with us, and and we do some things like that. To me, you never schedule a funeral for over three hours. I'm sorry, right. I don't care what the person is. You never do it. You tell everyone involved, we can't all tell it.
0: Right, right, right. Uh,
1: you know, to, to schedule a six hour funeral was a big deal. That's that's too much. Um, but for it to go eight hours and fifty minutes, that's like nine hours. the whole t- work day. That's a whole work day. I mean, with a lunch break. <laughs> And I can't believe that people sat through this, man. It was, it was a lot. It was like, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm going to say something else about the eulogy, too. You know, um, preachers feed off of the emotion of the congregation, sure. either positively or negatively. And um, by the time he, this preacher got up, that congregation was emotionally flat. Sure. And that's where that's that's what scary for a preacher, especially if you're accustomed to hearing feedback. Right. You know? Right. right. And so um, my heart about that is... Um it's a lesson learned. Um it's a lesson learned for the black community, um for, for black preachers for the black church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we have we just have we have work to do. We have to we have to continually um continue the dialogue amongst us as as clergy and, and, and just as um as we change generations of preachers, we need to know what are we passing on, what legacy are we leaving to yeah. um um I wanna make sure in my church I, I don't subscribe to the hooping and, and and maybe uh i don't criticize it because um I, I, there were sundays where if i could hoop i'd have given them the business <laughs> if i could hoop, listen. if i could hoop they would have gotten it uh, but I, but it's that's not something my my first pastor really in my actually my second pastor instilled in me the importance of staying true to the teaching gift that god gave me yes and um uh, so when I see preachers that can hoop, I enjoy it. But when I see preachers, especially preachers who are known for the for the way they, 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 um, they deliver the word and not what they deliver, right? Because I think you know, content is still king. And it I is. think and I think that this preacher and, and he, he I don't know if you know this, but you know he was at one point considered one of the top three eulogists, not eulogists, but top three preachers in the United States.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: you know, um, because they say he did a real good job of C.F. Franklin's C.F. Franklin was no joke.
0: Right. But then we have to also consider that was some 30 years ago.
1: 34, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, and so it's kind of a different scenario and a lot of life has happened and. You know, things wow, wow. Well well let's do this. We're gonna put a, a, a pin right there and uh we'll probably we might continue this discussion on our next session. I don't know, but this has certainly been a lot of food for thought. I'm still scratching my head, I'm sure you guys are too. So we wanna hear what you have <laughs> to say about today's session. So if you would reach out to us by way of social media and use the hashtags either on course or heart to heart that's h-a-r-t the number two and then h-e-a-r-t use that and let us know what you think about today's show and certainly be sure to rate and download and subscribe to this podcast on itunes and google play share it with a friend and join us next time as we get on course with heart ramsey